Hi, you're listening to a podcast brought to you by the teaching team at New Life in North Lincolnshire. New Life is committed to helping transform people and transform places through the love and power of Jesus Christ. We hope you, in some small way, will be blessed and transformed by this message. as always. Um, I was going to get up and tell a really funny story and then this morning um, as things have not quite gone to plan, um, some things kind of didn't go right, I thought I'd share a different funny story for you. Um, So at the last church that I was part of, uh, the, the worship team were up on stage singing The sound team had got everything sorted for them. Everything was going well. People were worshipping. And the the worship leader was stood on stage singing. And all of a sudden, no joke, this happened. As he's singing. And then he went, oh, sorry, everybody. And then put his phone down. And everybody just went, oh, what are you doing? And he like went bright red and he was a a bold gentleman. So his whole head went bright red as well. And he was a little bit embarrassed, but the rest of us, like I was in the youth at the time. Well, the youth sat on like the second row of church. Well, you can only imagine what a group of 12 to 16 year olds were doing on the second row, getting our phones out and going, (laughs) um, poor guy felt really sorry for him. But, um, I have been quite in awe and excited this morning as we have been going through the service. The only person that knew what I was going to be preaching on um, was my dad, who my mum and dad, who aren't in the room, and my pastor, Russ, my pastor, um, the pastor. <laughs> they were the only ones that kind of knew what I was preaching on. I haven't really shared it with anyone, and I've been kind of working through it. And as we've gone through this morning, this theme of faithfulness has continued to come out, and I'm stood there going... Have they all read my notes? Like, what is this? And this morning, I want to talk about something called the thread of faithfulness, something that's come out of quite a personal moment in my life. And as we've been going on this morning and things haven't quite gone the way we thought they would in some aspects, like, I woke up this morning um, most of the night in agony in my right arm. I'm still in pain in my right arm at the minute. And I was just like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. And then my toddler is teething. Six teeth. Six. Two of them are molars. And oh my goodness, she is not a happy bunny this morning. Nana had to take her out of the service because she was in sobs of tears. And uh She's not been doing very well this morning. And we, as soon as we got to church, she burst into tears. She was like, I do not want to come to church this morning. I'm going, right, okay. I've now got to deal with a crying toddler. She wants picking up. My arm is sore. But I also need to make sure that I'm in the right headspace to start um, preaching. And then as the service has gone on, and as Jim shared, and as Dina shared, and as we sung and worshipped, I was reminded, as Jim said, that this, God's got this. And this is nothing to do with whether I'm competent or whether I um, have written good enough notes. This is to do with what God wants to share through my words um, to you. And so we're going to turn to Genesis 37. 
in the Bible. First book of the Bible is Genesis. And chapter 37 is the start of the story of Joseph. Now, if you aren't familiar with this story, I'm going to be going through it a little bit. And the story of Joseph spans like the rest of Genesis, like 37 through to like chapter 50. I'm not going to read all of that to you. In fact, I'm not actually going to read any of it. I'm just going to talk to you about this story. Joseph was a young man when we meet him at the beginning of Genesis 37. And his father had two wives, Rachel and Leah, and he loved Rachel. And I always feel sorry for Leah. He loved Rachel and was tricked into marrying Leah. Leah bore him a lot of sons. Rachel had two, but they were Jacob's favorite sons. And the first of these was Joseph. Now, Joseph was treated as the favorite son, which, as you can imagine, caused a rift in the family. I mean, I only have two siblings, never mind Joseph, who had 11 siblings at the time of of the start of this story. I only have two, and I can tell you now, if my mom and dad treated us, in our opinion, unfairly. There was a riot in the house. We were like, hold on a minute, you just gave her an extra pound. Where's mine? Hold on a minute, her cake is three centimetres bigger than mine. And the rulers were out, and parents in the room are going, yeah, uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, that sounds about right. And Joseph was given gifts, and he was given a garment. And you may know some of the story of Joseph through the popular musical, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. I had a dream. I'm not going to sing the rest of it. Oh, no, that's not the start of it, is it? Dan's looking at me because he's a musical theatre buff in our relationship, and he just went... What's she singing? I close my eyes. That's right. <laughs> oh. Um, But so you might know some of the story through that popular musical. Now, just remind yourself that it has got creative license in there. Um, But Joseph was adorned with, the Bible says, this beautiful coat. And it immediately showed the rest of his brothers that he was better than them. And now Joseph didn't help himself because he was a little bit arrogant. Like you read the story and I read it and I cringe. I go, oh, Joseph. He's like, I had a dream, and you guys all bowed down to me. And I mean, if you've already got, you don't like someone very much, and they walk up to you and go, by the way, better than you, kiss my shoe. Like, you'd, you'd be like, hold on a minute. Who do you think you are? And Joseph did this, essentially, with his brothers, and he even riled his dad up a little bit when his dad was like, ah, who do you think you are, saying that your mum and dad are going to bow down to you? What is this? Joseph gets himself into all sorts of trouble with his brothers and ends up being beaten up and thrown into a pit and then sold to some traders passing through at the time and then sold on to the Egyptians. He continues to work, gets sold to a guy called Potiphar who was quite important at the time. And he's doing really well. In fact, he becomes head of the household for Potiphar And Potiphar's wife takes a liking to him, tries to trap him. Joseph says no, so she cries rape, essentially. And he then gets thrown into prison. Joseph is now in prison, but does really well. And the prison guard goes, well, you can be in charge of the rest of the prisoners because you are a good prisoner. And he kind of looks after the rest of the prisoners. 
Two guys in the, in the prison have dreams. Joseph interprets them. They, be, they come to pass. And he says to the, one of the guys, please remember me and tell Pharaoh I'm in here unjustly. Please remember me. The Bible says this guy gets out of jail and forgets about Joseph for two years. Two years. Like he's already been in prison for a little while. An extra two years for a crime he did not commit He's still in prison and yet continues to serve and continues to work well. He finally gets out of prison because Pharaoh has some dreams. He interprets these dreams and Pharaoh puts him second in command of the whole of Egypt. And long story short, he saves the whole of Egypt, including his family. And there is an incredible moment of repentance and restoration that happens towards the end of this story. And he gets to be reunited with his brothers and his dad once again. Now, it's a long story, but I love this story. In fact, this story resonates really deeply with me and is one of my favorite stories. I remember a couple of years ago, some of the pastoral team were talking about like our go-to stories in the Bible, our go-to sort of sermon illustration stories. And Pastor Sarah said to me, yours is Joseph. And I was like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. Um, but you look back at the story of Joseph and he was plagued with bad luck. That just things went wrong time and time again for him. We could even say it was a series of unfortunate events. Just constantly coming up against things that were wrong. I mean, his own brothers hated him. He was sold. He was trafficked. We would call it human trafficking. He was sold into slavery. He was accused of a crime he didn't commit. And he spent ages in prison for it. And then people forgot about him. I mean, the guy could interpret dreams perfectly, and yet they forgot about him. I wouldn't be forgetting about someone like that very quickly, I have to say. And actually, we would, I, I would feel okay if the story of Joseph was like, and he was very upset. And, he, and he, was really, he was really frustrated with what had happened to him, and he felt quite angry about it, and he felt quite upset about it. But actually, the story of Joseph doesn't say any of these things. I, I can imagine that he probably did feel some of these things, but the overwhelming story that we, the overwhelming thread we get through this story is the fact that Joseph continued to serve. He didn't gripe and moan about the wrongs that had been done to him. Instead, he kind of carried on. He could have felt all sorry for himself and angry about it and plotted revenge against his brothers because, you know, as, as a child, me and my brother fought and I would plot revenge against my brother. He will tell you the stories. He has the war wounds, I have to say. Um, but we love each other now, it's fine. But Joseph didn't do that. Like, we don't hear stories of Joseph going, right, I'm going to escape from here, I'm going to get myself back, and then I'm going to kill them all. He, he decided, okay, this is where I am. How do I make the most of, of this situation? He decided not to turn his mourning into a monument. It was just a moment. He allowed him that this morning, this is a real situation, this has really happened to him, but he didn't build an altar to it. He didn't worship the, the pain that he was in. He didn't ha hang it on, in a banner and say, this has happened to me, everybody look at me, this is how sad this, my life is. And actually, 
There would have been times that his story would have been helpful. In fact, there would have been times where I, I am sure he shared some of his story. Because when um, his brothers arrived in Egypt, Pharaoh knew who they were. So they, they knew he had a family. So there were some elements of Joseph's story that he was telling. But he didn't live in mourning and in grief and in pain and in suffering. Instead he goes, okay, that's a moment in my life. I am forever scarred by that. Forever scarred by that. But I will not worship the pain from which I have experienced. We all need to, I don't want you to hear me saying, hey, you've experienced something bad in your life. Shove it under the rug, move on, get over it. That's not what I'm saying. I, most of you will know that I have, ex, I have been in therapy for the last six months or something to, to deal with experiences from about five years ago that have still been causing me pain and issues and nightmares. And yet, I am dealing with, I've dealt with some of that in order to be able to move on from it. Because if I live in the pain, I will never be a good enough person parent. I will never be able to stand on stage and share that the goodness of God because I am living in my pain. And so yes, you need to deal with that which has hurt you, absolutely. And some of that will require you to tell your story to some people. Some of that will require you to maybe have to make painful decisions in order to move on. Some of that will require you maybe to go back and visit things What about the grief of losing a parent or a child? I'm not saying to you forget about it. What I am saying is if you live in that morning, maybe you won't be able to move on and experience the joy that God has got for you, but you will always, always remember that which was. Those things live. We, We can put them into a moment. It is a moment in our lives which was incredibly painful. But that moment stays as that. We don't continue to drag it with us. We go back to it and we say, oh, I miss her. I miss it. Oh, that was a painful moment. I'm going to continue to live my life in a way which would honor those moments or in a way which would say, I'm not going to live in that pain of abuse or in that cycle of hurt or in that cycle of destruction. We don't dwell on them or build altars to them. We find ways to move forward with our scars as reminders. Whenever you hurt yourself, I have got multiple scars. One of them is under my lip, so you'd only see it if I'm like lift my lip up to you, which is a little bit weird. Um, But when I was about three or four years old, my mum will attest to this, they had a marble mantelpiece, and my, my nana had bought me all these little ornaments, like little dogs and cats in baskets. They were really cute. And um, I decided that I wanted to put them all on top of the fish tank, which was on top of the marble mantelpiece. And my mum said to me, not with socks on, because you're going to slip. It was one of those where it was like really low, And then it did a step up, and then it did another step up. So it was marble all the way across the front of the room. Um, We would call that vintage now or something, I think. um, And my mum said, not with your socks on, you'll slip and hurt yourself. No, mum, I'm fine. Because as a four-year-old, I know what is best. 
And so mum's like, right, okay, off you pop. So I'm running from one place, running and putting them on. But I have to climb up the marble mantelpiece. And I'm running and I'm putting them up. And, I, and all of a sudden, my foot goes from underneath me. I hit the corner of the marble mantelpiece and split my lip open. And I can still remember, literally, my dad holding me over the sink as just the blood poured out. It was gross, right? And I remember having to go to the hospital. I was four years old, and this is a permanent memory. It's a core memory in my mind. Um, and I had to have it all stitched up. And I remember, like, like enjoying picking the stitches. <laughs> I said... I'm one of those people that enjoys things like blackheads and scabs and whatever. So, all of you are looking at me going, she's just said that from the stage. Oh my gosh, we've got a completely different view of her now. Um, but I'm forever left with a scar. And you know what that scar reminds me of? Do not run on marble mantelpieces with slippy socks. Oh, okay. All right, listen to my mom. I don't know where my mum is. She might be in NLK with Abigail, and she'll, she'll listen back to this and go, uh-huh, uh-huh, I've been telling you this for 28 years, and uh, you might just be starting to understand. Mum knows best. But my scar is a reminder of a really painful moment in my life. But imagine if at the age of 28, so this happened when I was four, I come up to you and go, Sarah, look, I've got a scar. What did you do? Well... 24 years ago. But my scar is a reminder to adapt my behavior around marble mantelpieces. Now, we don't always have physical scars to show of the pain that we've been through. But can I just say this? Scars are a reminder of two things. It is a sign of the pain you have been through. It is a constant reminder. I... I you know, imagine we, we get to see Jesus one day and he still has his scars. It's a reminder of what we have been through. And a reminder to maybe like walk away from maybe something that caused that. Or a reminder of, hey, that was a painful moment. I've got that scar on purpose. And, and, I, and it's there to remind me of that person or of that thing. But a scar is a sign of healing a scar only occurs when the wound has healed. And so you see people with scars, and I go, that's great. It's not good that you went through that thing, but you've healed from it. And, and I expect all of us have got emotional scars that we carry on our hearts, in which we go, oh, that was a painful moment. I've healed from it. I can walk into a room and that is not the dominating thought in my mind. I can see that person and it not be the dominating thought in my mind. Scars aren't a place of forgetfulness. We don't forget what has happened. They're there on purpose to remind us, to protect us, to encourage us not to end up with those scars again. But they're a sign of healing. If you've hurt yourself a year ago and your wound is still open, it means it's not healed. In fact, it's highly likely it'll get infected. And an infected wound becomes smelly. An infected wound is, is difficult to hide. An infected wound shows everybody around you, I have not healed from this. People walk up to you and immediately can smell. Ah, 
that person is carrying that with them. But a scar, a scar is a sign of healing. And I, you can see in Joseph's life, he, he was covered in scars. Scars of the pain that had been done to him, scars of the hurt that he had experienced, scars of the lies that had been told about him, but they were scars. Because do you think a man with all those open wounds would be able to lead a country successfully out of famine? No. Our scars are not a sign of weakness or a sign that we have not lived our lives appropriately. Our scars are a sign of healing, of of lessons we have learned, of moments we have experienced, of people that we miss, of places that have caused us pain, but we have healed from them. We can talk about them without them reopening the wound because it's a scar. A scar can't be reopened, it's done. I don't believe for a second that God causes pain or evil or suffering in our lives, but I do believe that he can turn it for good. I don't believe that God wanted Joseph's brothers to tear him a new one and throw him in a pit and then sell him. I don't believe that he wanted Potiphar's wife to lie about Joseph. What a painful moment. But God turned those things for his good. Not for Joseph's good, although Joseph experienced the goodness of God because of it, but God turned it for his good. His name was glorified because of the goodness he had shown to Joseph through his life. We look at Joseph's life and you can see a thread of faithfulness through his story. And sometimes it's only after the story is finished you suddenly go, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I can see God's goodness in that moment. I can see God's goodness there. Actually, had had Joseph not been such an arrogant toad, his brothers wouldn't have thrown him in a pit and he wouldn't have ended up second in command of Egypt. Now, we can look at the beginning and the end and go, see how God did that, see how he turned that for good. But in the middle of it, gosh, it can be so painful. But my question to you this morning is this. What is the thread of faithfulness in your life. Where is it? Can you see it yet? Are you sat there going, this, this is painful, this, this hurts too much, I can't see any of God's goodness in it. Okay, how are you going to deal with your pain? How are you going to work through this moment in order for yourself to, to heal, to scar up, to become a person that can look back and go, there is the thread of God's faithfulness. And, and this came about for me as um, I was having a therapy session. And my, I got to the end of one of my counseling sessions and said to her, I feel complete despair. I, I don't know how to move on from this. I don't know how to get closure from this moment. And so she gave me a few tips and and an idea and said, why don't you try this? I don't normally give such a forward suggestion, but I think that you need it. And so I went away and did what she said, and I came back the next time, and, and we talked through this moment. And I said to her, as I was writing this letter, she'd asked me to write some stuff down. As I was writing this letter, I'm a very, very visual person. And just this black cloth, I saw an image of a black cloth in front of me. 
and this black cloth was kind of rippling, and it, and it wasn't, you know, you look at some cloths and you go, oh, that's beautiful decoration, but it, it, it was darkness. And then I saw this little thread, golden thread, start to weave its way through this black piece of material. And in, in an instant, I saw the faithfulness of God. In an instant, I was reminded that through some of the bleakest times I've experienced, the thread of faithfulness has accompanied me the whole way. That beautiful, and now, I, every time I see golden thread anywhere, anywhere, I'm just reminded. The thread of God's faithfulness follows me, goes before me, stays alongside me all the days of my life. I want to encourage you. Let's not be people that create monuments to our pain and allow them to take away from what God is doing in those moments. But let us be people that heal from those wounds. We bear our scars with pride. Say, God healed me. And I can see his faithfulness. If you know anything about the brain, (laughs) trauma literally creates a pathway in your brain. And you can't undo it. It It is a pathway that has been created. However, one of the most encouraging things I heard as we sat through trauma training for the fostering agency we're in, was that although you might not be able to fix the pathway that has been created and make, like, get rid of it, you can create new ones, parallels, in which you go, this will always be a part of my life. This is something that I will always know of. However, I can create a new pathway. I can create a new way of thinking. But actually... God does that for us. Like Jim said, human beings, we go, I can do this. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to help God fix my problems. But God is saying, hey, let me do this. Surrender it to me. Allow me to help you with the healing process. And that might require some external, professional, pastoral help. That might require some confrontation of difficult moments. However, God is not saying you have to live in that moment in, with, with an altar built to that pain for the rest of your life. However, we can create a new way of thinking. We can create a new pathway. The Bible tells us that we can be renewed in our minds. Literally, physically, our brain chemistry changes when you experience trauma and it changes when you experience freedom. I was talking to someone this week about some of this stuff and they said something that struck me so deeply and it was this. We find freedom in forgiveness. So simple. And yet, if Joseph had held on to the pain he felt 
we can almost guarantee he would not have ended up where he did. And the only way for him to end up where he did was to find freedom through forgiveness of his brothers and of those that had harmed him. Forgiveness isn't about you. Actually, that's completely wrong, Elena. Forgiveness is about you. Forgiveness isn't about other people. Hey, you know, if, if someone's wronged you and you go up to them and say, you've wronged me and I want to forgive you but I need an apology first, it's probably not going to happen. The reaction of other people should not determine whether you forgive our, our freedom, not their freedom, our freedom is found in forgiveness. They, the person that has hurt you could be sat on a beach somewhere, sunning it up and not give you a second thought, and yet you are trapped in the prison of your mind because you will not forgive. Like I said, it's not about forgetting. It's not about putting yourself back in a place where you can be hurt again by that person or that situation. However, it's about finding freedom in Jesus. It's finding freedom in who he has created you to be. And the only way we do that is through forgiveness. And actually, when you forgive, it is then when that thread of faithfulness becomes clear. It becomes so apparent. Joseph had to forgive to allow the wounds to scar in order to move forward. And he didn't hear from his brothers whether they had forgiven him or not because they lived ages away. He hadn't gone to them and said, guys, I forgive you. Because have you ever kind of heard a child be forced to apologize for something that they've done? We've all probably done it. Hey, go and say sorry for that. But there's no real, like, repentance to it. So unless the other person in that exchange is willing to forgive, nothing is resolved. And so don't rely on the apologies or the acceptance or the response of another person. Your forgiveness to them or to that situation, is not for their benefit. It is for you. When we find freedom, we notice that strong golden thread of faithfulness weaving through our lives. And some of you may be sat there going, gosh, I can see that thread of faithfulness through my life. I can see what God has done for me. I can see what he, he has promised me, and I've seen his fulfillment even in the bleakest of days. And some of you may be sat there going, I, I just feel too much pain at the minute to be able to see anything other than the darkness I'm in. Well, I want to pray for you this morning that you would find freedom, that you would be able to see that thread of faithfulness in your life. That thread that from beginning right up until the end, that is never broken, it never stops. Even if you walk away from God, that thread of faithfulness is there. Even if you don't want to believe it, that thread of faithfulness is there. Even if you forget about it, it never breaks. It never goes away. It never changes. 
It is a constant in the lives of those God loves. And newsflash, he loves us all. Died for every single one of us. Not just for you. Not just for the person sat next to you. For every single person. And he has a thread of faithfulness where he has stood and continued to walk journeys with people even when they have turned their backs from him. And one day... If they turn to him, or if they see the thread of faithfulness that God has for them, they'll turn back and see that incredible golden thread. We just have the benefit of seeing it as we go. So I'm going to invite the band forward. They're going to lead us in a song in which has been a bit of an anthem of my heart over the last few weeks. I heard it a couple of weeks ago. It's from the New Hill song. Um, album, and um, it talks about the faithfulness of God. It talks about the fact that we are never alone, that He is our inheritance, He is our deliverer, He has never left us nor forsaken us. And as the band play this song, I just, I'm going to pray over us before they do, but as they play this song, I just want either for you to remember and open your heart and your eyes to that thread of faithfulness God has for you. Remember the good things. Remember the goodness of God. Remember how he saved you from the pits of evil. Remember how he has walked with you in the darkest, dreariest moments and how he's been with you on those mountaintops. And for those of you this morning that are holding on to pain, have experienced deep wounds I want to pray that you find forgiveness and freedom that those wounds would become scars that you would not be defined by what has happened to you but instead defined by the goodness of God by his faithfulness by his love he has not left you he has not forgotten you You have not been forsaken. He mourns for you as you experience terrible moments. He mourns with you as you experience the loss of things or people that you love. He he is with you in those moments and sometimes we feel so alone and God is saying, I am with you. I am for you. I have not forgotten you. So this morning, there may be some of the, you that, that need prayer, that you actually want somebody to pray with you because you need help as you navigate these moments. It's not easy. It's so easy for me to stand here and say, and you just forgive and move on. And yet there is a process to that forgiveness. There is a process to healing those wounds. And sometimes it's a long one. Sometimes it takes years. But we can still attest to the faithfulness of God. So if this morning you need prayer and you feel brave enough, why don't you come to the front or raise your hand or grab the person next to you and say, I want to live in freedom. I don't want to hold on to the wounds 
that I have been inflicted. Instead, I want to live in freedom. And can I just say, sometimes that means forgiving yourself. Sometimes that means saying, Lord, help me. And for the rest of us, I pray. Oh, Lord God, would we be reminded daily of your faithfulness? Would we be reminded of that golden thread in which you have weaved through every moment of our lives? Would we never forget your goodness? Lord God, would we be people with open hearts and open eyes, reminded of your faithfulness? Because you are good. You have never left us. We do not walk alone. We walk in the knowledge that you are a good, faithful, loving God. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from New Life in North Lincolnshire. To find out more, do visit us online at newlifechurch.uk or why not pay us a visit? We'd love to see you.